Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. So the ninth chapter of Mark got me thinking about silences, or varieties of quiet, to borrow a phrase from a poet named Christian Wyman. When you think about it, there are a lot of different kinds of silence, aren't there? Like the silence I'm about to keep about what makes for a capable wife. (laughs) Not touching that one. Or like the silence uh, after a preacher tells a joke no one else thinks is funny. I think we all know that one. It's a robust and full-bodied quiet with notes of embarrassment and pity. It has a long finish, really long if you're the one who just told the joke. But actually, since the vestry wardens either hadn't heard it or were too polite to pretend otherwise, maybe I will go ahead and tell you the one I told them on Zoom Friday morning. It's the one about a guy named Carl who joins a monastic order in which the monks are only allowed to speak one word a year. So after his first 12 months, he goes to the abbot to speak his word and says, the. A year later, he returns and says, food. And at the end of his third year, he goes to the abbot and says, stinks. (laughs) To which the abbot replies, Carl, you've been here for three years now and you've done nothing but complain. (laughs) Silence. There may be as many forms of it as there are words in a language. And I'm beginning to wonder whether all sorts of silences, not just the reverent and prayerful ones, are worth paying attention to when we come across them in Scripture. For instance, in our reading today, Jesus tells his disciples that he will be betrayed and killed and that he will rise again three days later. But, the text says, they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. You know that silence, don't you? Nobody wants to look foolish, so everybody looks down at their sandals, avoids eye contact, says nothing, and hopes the conversation will just move on. Well, then the group walks on to Capernaum, and when they arrive, Jesus asks what they've been arguing about along the way, and they fall silent, because they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. So this is not the silence of ignorance or confusion. In a way, it's the opposite. It's that guilty silence that happens when someone tells a truth about us right out loud we'd really rather ignore. That fraught silence of knowing all too well somebody knows you all too well and doesn't have the good manners to just keep quiet. Which is yet another kind of silence, I suppose. The silence of polite avoidance. I think everybody except Jesus knows about that one. Well, such are the silences in our gospel reading today. They caught my attention, so so I started looking for silence upstream a bit in Mark 9. The chapter begins with a transfiguration. Remember the story. Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus up on a high mountain. James and Peter and John are there to see these three shining prophets, and Peter suggests they scurry around and make dwellings for them. He did not know what to say, Mark tells us, for they were terrified. It's one of Peter's more infamous moments of non-silence, we might say. He just couldn't keep the quiet he needed to. 
As a result, we're told the sky began to speak, saying, this is my son, the beloved. Will you please stop talking and listen to him? Then Moses and Elijah, they disappear. The four friends begin to make their way back down the mountain. And do you remember what Jesus says to them? He tells the others to stay quiet about the wonders they've just seen until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. It's the silence of what some scholars of Mark call the messianic secret. The strange fact that Jesus keeps telling people not to shout the good news from the housetops, but to keep quiet about it. As if it's the kind of truth that can't just be told, or, or at least just can't be told right then or right there. Upon their return from that mountain, an anxious crowd has gathered around the rest of the disciples. And I remembered about the poor hurting boy at the center of the scene, the one who'd been possessed by a demon since birth that would seize him, dash him down, make him grind his teeth. I remembered all those horrors, but not the first thing Jesus has told about the boy. Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Billy Collins once wrote of silence that had piled up all night like snow falling in the darkness of the house. That's how this chapter began to feel to me. Each of its silences, unique as a snowflake, but piling up as I read back through Mark 9 again, listening for everything that wasn't said. Varieties of quiet, the familiar silences of our lives, the silence of confusion, of embarrassment, of fear, the silence that should have been observed but wasn't, and the silence of the secret that we're sternly ordered to keep, and yes, the heartbreaking silence of one boy's epilepsy, to which Jesus turns, filled with compassion and dismay, and says, you spirit that keeps this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. Silence, God be praised, that's mercifully cast out forever. This may be a different sort of sermon than what you're used to. It certainly is for me. I was taught in no uncertain terms that you're to have a single crystal clear point when I preached, otherwise, stay quiet. But for today, at least, I'm suggesting we just sit with a stretch of Scripture that seems to be asking us, at least read from a certain angle, to consider the various kinds of silence in our lives, to give them the attention they deserve or require, so maybe we'll know when we need to stay quiet a little bit longer and when our silence needs to be broken, to consider when silence is brave and when it is complicit, when it is avoidant, and when it's the very definition of taking in the full brunt or beauty of whatever or whomever God has placed in front of us right here, right now which at the end of our gospel story is just what Jesus does, isn't it? Into the embarrassed, awkward silence that followed that silly argument about greatness, Jesus placed a someone in front of his speechless friends. He took a little child, put it in their midst, wrapped that child in his arms, and he said, whoever welcomes one just like this in my name welcomes me. It's a brilliant, beautiful move, isn't it? 
to speak the truth, even if or maybe precisely because it shuts everyone uncomfortably up for just a beat, not as a punishment, but as an opening. Jesus helps them to see the silence that the truth has just made as an opportunity, a chance to make a different way forward a little bit clearer. In this case, the opening was into Jesus' inverted view of greatness. But he still doesn't fill the scene up with explanations, does he? He still leaves a lot unsaid, even as he sits there with the child in his arms in the quiet for us to wonder at as well. There are many varieties of quiet in Scripture, just as there are in our lives. There won't be only one faithful response to all of them, so don't start pestering whatever child happens to be nearby next time the room goes awkwardly quiet. But something the silences in Scripture do seem to have in common is that they are almost never something entirely interior, personal, or private. Silence is usually something that happens between people, not within them. A connection, not a separation. It might even be that the silence itself is not the opening. Maybe the opening is the person or the people on the far side of it. So maybe to be faithful to the way of Jesus is to attend to the silences in our lives as a community. To see them, even the confusing, uncomfortable, painful ones, as sacred openings. Not so much into personal enlightenment as into the healed, restored, flourishing relationships that with God and with one another Jesus keeps trying to show us how to make. So let's commit together to give the silences in our lives the attention they deserve and require because it's for one another and for this broken world that we need to know when we should stay quiet a little longer and when a silence needs to be broken. That we need to know when silence is brave and when it's complicit, when it's a form of avoidance, and also when it's a door God's asking us to step through, maybe into one healed relationship by which the world Jesus loved too much to leave its silences alone is just made a little bit more whole. Amen. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.